Hello and welcome to Radio Maria England. This is Questions of Faith, a program in which you have an opportunity to call in and ask us a question. And um, today it is a wonderful pleasure and privilege to have two very good, very great, very wonderful Dominicans um, on the program. We have um, Sister Carino. Hello, Sister. Hello, Tim. Lovely to be here. And uh, someone you may remember, um, Father Toby, our priest director, who's been on holiday. And um, it's just wonderful to have him back with us. Hello, Father Toby. Hello. I should emphasize, not just on holiday. It was a, it's a really long I was, holiday. I was preaching, preaching a parish mission in the, uh, in the USA and then, and then had some holiday afterwards. Right. The main reason I went away was a parish mission where we finished with over a thousand people at the uh the healing service on the on the last night so that was pretty oh, wonderful wow. and i had on that on that last day alone i had eight, eight hours in the confessional brilliant yeah wow. yeah a well, lot of grace a lot of grace poured out it just i suppose goes to show that um in in my mind if father toby's not with us he's not working that's sort of the way that i see things um, yeah the so I have to correct your mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there, we've got a lot of questions that have been uh, sent in today, and I, I'm looking forward to getting them. But just a reminder that what this program is really about is not about um, us having sort of questions that have been uh, prepared, but, but we want to be doing it on the spot. We want you to be calling in. We want to hear your voice. We want to hear why these questions are troubling you or or um, interest you and in order to do that you need to dial 012233755564 and um i'm opening up the lines right now so that they are ready and um you can use them and i'm going to give that number out one more time it's 0122337564 but before we start in earnest, we need to pray. So I'm going to ask Father Toby if you would begin with a prayer for us, please. Certainly. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of this day. We ask that this day and all the days of our life we might live in a, in a manner fitting of the, the great gift that you've given us that participation in your divine life by baptism and we pray that that this this program and, and all our broadcasting on radio maria might serve to to make you better known in order that we might come to love you more and more live in you more and more and experience happiness with you and we entrust ourselves to the the intercession of our blessed mother as we pray hail mary full of grace the lord is with thee Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary. Holy Mary, Mother, Mother of God, pray Holy for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. death. Amen. Thank you, Father Toby. So before we get started, I'd just like to hear how has um, your Lent been? And we'll start with Sister Karina. My Lent continues to go very well. It's that incredible mixture of penances you've planned for yourself and things that God throws at you unexpectedly. And I think all of the sisters are getting very excited about, um, about the Easter Tridium and about 
taking that time to just completely focus on the liturgy as it's the the absolute peak of of the liturgical year the most important part of our liturgical year so yes there's a there's a mixture of joy and looking forward to it being over <laughs> in the convent for Lent. how about you father toby uh yet yeah, it was sort of the usa didn't feel especially lenten because there's no there's no portion size in the usa that uh that that sort of constitutes an english lent um but it was a a wonderful experience there and uh yeah we've shown so much hospitality by so many people and the kind of the the rule of charity in that case sometimes trumps whatever lenten resolutions you you might you might have made um so uh my 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 main lent thing now is missing all the jumbo shrimp that i ate whilst Aww. i was in, a, in in america which is you know <laughs> sounds incredibly tough but no it's been a been a, been a good real. a good a good time and uh and i've been uh, sort of delighting in a in a novel which i know tim tim had a go at me for plot spoiling yesterday but plot yes. isn't the most important <laughs> it's not the most important thing and i know sister <laughs> sister lucy of sister carino's uh community has loved it the uh kristin lavernstrata trilogy yeah. and I'm, yeah. I'm now officially obsessed that was such a dad thing to say when I scolded you for that. It's not about the plot; it's about the the atmosphere of the of the book. Well, it's easy for you to say. Well, in fact, there's been there's been research done by psychologists which shows that in fact people enjoy a book more when they know the plot, not less. Which is why, like on all those classic oh, books, yeah, I, you wouldn't think it was true, but I think it is, and it's why on all, all the sort of like classics. Um, there's an introduction, and it hmm. tells you the basic outline of the of the book, and it doesn't spoil it in any way. I always skip those parts. Yeah. But, um... you know, if the book is dependent upon suspense, then it's not worth reading twice. And if the book's not worth reading twice, then it's not a great book. No, That's think, very profound, Father. I think there's something to that, definitely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so... I want to give out the number again, because as much as it's fun to, to talk about uh, books and Lent and things like that, I really want to get to some some questions from the listeners. And um, and we can't do that unless you call in. So the number is 01223-375-564. That's 01223-375-564. One of our faithful listeners... Um, who almost always sends us something in to think about and to talk about is Raj, and he sent the following voice note, which I'm going to play for you now, while the rest of you dial away and start calling in. Here it is. Good morning, Father Toby. Welcome back to this program. And good morning, Tim. This is Raj. My question is, we believe God created us in his own image, and we are children of God. But in Genesis chapter 6, Verses 1 to 4 says that sons of God married daughters of humans and had children by them. They are called giants or great soldiers. Who are these sons of God here? Please explain. Thank you. Just um, before you start, Raj did not know that you were going to be on the program today, Sister Karina. So that wasn't a purposeful oh. omission. That was that wasn't that I've been shunned <laughs> because of the last time I answered one of his questions. No, okay, no, that's cool. Very good. Yeah. Which one of you would like to have a go at this one? 
I'm ha- I'm happy to go first on on this one um, because my answer won't close off too many avenues for Sister Karina. The the basic answer is that the church has not definitively declared um, on who the who the sons of God are. There, that there's no sort of answer that that I've heard that's completely sort of. I'm like, oh, of course, that's that's it. Although maybe Sister Karina will provide that answer um, today. It's also sort of taken up with the the, the Nephilim, who are who are mentioned um, in the same in the same passage, uh, and we don't really know who who they were. The Nephilim are mentioned again in I think it's in uh, Numbers thirteen. Um, I am sort of most most taken by the interpretation which I read in, in, in Scott Hahn, um, which is is basically that the the sons of, of God were the, the descendants of of, of, of Seth um, and that the 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 daughters of of men um, were the the descendants of, of Cain. Um, and so Scott Hahn in in his book A, A Father Who Keeps His his promises. He elaborates on this position, which was which was taken by some of the church fathers as well. So he says, when people began to multiply on the face of the earth, the sons of God, that is the Sethite men, were seduced by the beauty of the daughters of men, that is the Canaanite women. The beauty of the wicked proved stronger than the resolve of the righteous. Sethite men found a new forbidden fruit: the beautiful but ungodly Canaanite women to be irresistible. And they didn't just marry them; they married, and then they married as they chose, which might imply that, along with mixed marriages, polygamy had now entered into the line of Seth, the covenant family of God. Thus, violent men were born. Um, and I think it's important to say, with that answer, a little bit like some, the way Saint Paul sometimes uses um, spirit and flesh. It's not that the flesh is in is in is inherently bad um and the only spirit is good because god created uh, everything and everything that god created is is good um but this is pointing to a i think a desire to go solely with sort of bodily desires um and not uh sort of being informed in that bodily desiring by the by the teaching um, that God gives us uh, by the sort of the food of the sp- seeking only after the the sort of food of the body and not seeking any of the food of the spirit. And that I'll pass over to Sister Carino at that point to make it to make it all wonderfully clear and to tell us definitively what this uh, well, means. Well, firstly, I will say that I agree with Father Toby. That is that is my first that is my first job here in um in doing the follow up answer to this question. Um, I think it's. Yes, I agree with what Father Toby said. I think it's worth bearing in mind that, you know, the, the church gives us various kind of keys for interpreting scripture. And one of them is to read the scriptures with an eye on the unity of the two testaments, the Old and the New Testament, and also an eye for what we call the analogy of faith. So if we if we read something in the scriptures that, that interprets what we know to be the broader teaching of the church, um, then we need to go a bit deeper and go and do what Father Toby's done, which is, you know, look at the different scholars and the different church fathers who have commented on this passage. And I think it's worth bearing in mind that having a very precise 
meaning for the term son of God, which is revealed in the New Testament to refer to Jesus, who is who is son of God by right and nature. And we become sons of God by sharing sacramentally through baptism in that that very kind of tight and specific understanding of son of God is something that comes in the New Testament and in the the, the mythical narrative of of Genesis, which is not to say it's untrue, but it, it conveys truth in a more poetic and mythical way than do the Gospels. Um, it's takes a little bit more digging and a little bit more um, scripture scholarship to, to understand what's going on here. So that's and, what and I'd addend, addend to what you just said, Father Toby. Thank you. And as some, some people say that, you know, it seems that there are some myths or sort of, uh, you know, narrative sort of keys which which were which were known at the time of the the writing of of Genesis around these, where the the sort of terms seem to be taken for for granted mm. that we've simply just just lost. Mm. Um, you know, and that that's an important sort of rejoinder in in some ways is to us that that we have to keep speaking of our tradition, um, yeah. otherwise we lose we lose our lose our tradition. Mm. Yeah, that's really helpful. I I find that very interesting. I'm going to go to a, a short question that's been um, sent in, but um, I also want to remind the listener that um, this is the lines are open, and if you want to call the number zero one two two three three seven five five six four, and um, we have two Dominicans um, here with us answering questions, so don't miss this opportunity. This is a short one. It's uh, it says. Um, why do we have two different numbering systems for the Psalms? I'm guessing it has to do with different versions, but honestly, why do we do this to ourselves? And that's <laughs> from that's from Karen. <laughs> um, I must uh, sort of uh, con concur with that frustration. I found it really annoying. Fair enough. One of our one of our sisters. Um, well, she. One of one of our sisters who is who is known to Radio Maria listeners um, wrote a prayer journal and she had to go back and forth a bit with her editor because um, her editor was using different uh, the different psalm numbering system to what she was using. Mm. So her editor kept saying, that's not actually what Psalm 39 says, sister. And she's like, yes, it is. It is in the other version. Um, shall I go first, Father Toby, because you went first on the last one. Sure. Um, uh, the... Um, the questioner is is mostly correct that it's to do with different versions of the Bible. Specifically, it's different um, translation traditions. Um, so the the Psalms were written in Hebrew, and were given given a certain numbering system uh, in Hebrew. When the, a, a large kind of Jewish diaspora um, in Greek speaking lands, um, sort of as it were, sort of lost that immediate contact with their with their Hebrew heritage and needed the Old Testament translated into into the lingua franca of, of the country that they were living in and their children and grandchildren were growing up in, um, which we call the Septuagint. Um, when that happened, the Psalms were given a different numbering in that Greek translation, that Septuagintal translation. And that's specifically why I'm not actually sure off the top of my head, but basically the different numbering system came about when the Psalms were translated from the original Hebrew 
into the Greek of the Septuagint so that the the Jewish Greek speaking diaspora uh, could could read the Psalms in the language they were more familiar with. So it comes from the two different translations then yeah. the, the Greek and the Hebrew. Yes. Do you have anything to add to that, Father Toby? Uh, not really. No, I, I, like Sister Corinne, I don't, I know that the differences between the Hebrew and the Septuagint, um, but I don't actually know why they end up with different numbers. And, and more profoundly, as the questioner says, why do we do this to ourselves? This to ourselves. <laughs> I have absolutely no idea because it is so annoying. It's very annoying. It, I must really, say. really annoying. I think it's just one of the signs of the fall. <laughs> really what numbers yeah fair enough <laughs> different numbers oh, different but but in a, in a in a more profound way like it is it, one of the, the signs of the fall that sort of you know christians are not united in their um in in their beliefs about you know which books constitute the the canon the canon of, of scripture um mm -hmm. and and in the same way sort of whereby probably there is you know some ego element insistent upon you know well, we must keep this numbering versus we must keep this this numbering um yeah let's know, just be glad that we don't have different calendars at the moment because that was that was confusing for a long time not that i am old enough to remember yeah. it <laughs> but but that but that is a, a a further sort of sign of of sorrow and something actually that sort of i think pope francis is is working on with some of the patriarchs of the Orthodox Church, so that actually all Christians might celebrate at Easter at the same time, because that's a great travesty that yes. we don't. Yes, and it's one of the first things that was dealt with in in some of the earliest councils was um, trying to to make sure that we celebrate Easter on on the same day. So it is actually quite an important thing. But I was meaning that you know when the calendars were actually completely divergent. Yes. Um, yeah, which fortunately. We don't have. I think there might be a few outliers on that one. Um, yeah, I did just actually. I just looked looked up to check because I figured I I, sh I should know this. So the the difference happens in is that Psalms nine and ten in the in the Hebrew are combined as Psalm nine in the Septuagint, um, and so all things start to. It's like a domino sort of, effect. Start to like go go different from there. Then they come back together later, fortunately. Otherwise, we'd have different numbers of psalms. We wouldn't have 150 in both. Um, yeah, there, yeah, but there's other various differences. It has has the list here. So psalms, then they're all kind of like fine, but just sort of one out. Then psalms 114 and 150 in Hebrew are combined as psalm 113. But then at psalm 116 again, in in Hebrew gets divided into Psalms 114, 115 in the Septuagint, and yeah, you're not going to follow that on the radio because I'm not following it, <laughs> reading it. Yeah. Um, All right. So we so have the, the person who wrote this article ends. If you have a mnemonic for this, too, please let me know. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Yeah. Why do we do this to ourselves? As Karen said. Um, so we have a few questions about confession, which I'd love uh, us to look at, but um, we're going to come to that after this music break. And um, if you have some questions about confession, it'll be nice to throw them in as well. Um, I also want to look at the happy faults of the Easter liturgy, where we, we talk about um, Adam's sin as a happy fault, which is always quite a puzzling thing. 
So just a few hooks that I'm throwing out there if you'd like to, to take them. The number to dial is 01223-375-564. That's 01223-375-564. And this is Let Go by Father Tansy. If I was a spaceman Or if I was a statesman I'd shout to the whole world To have a little faith and If I was a lamplight I shine in the dark night A little bit of love just might Lift you up to the heights If I was a preacher man Or a mathematician I show you that you're one in a billion And we don't need no division Grow with the seasons Gush like a river I flow through the cisterns Wash the new believers If I was a seedling I'd grow in your heart's ground And if you'd only listen Oh, for crying out loud Ten nine eight seven six five four three two one. Let's go blasting through the skies. Set your path to the Lord. See your hearts made to soar. Ten nine eight seven six five four three two one. Let go, let go. If I was an optician, I would change the world's vision. Just a fisherman who would like to take you fishing I am just a man on a mission With the keys to the ignition Trying to bring you to the recognition That you're kings if you only listen If you've just tuned in, this is Radio Maria with our questions of faith And um, the number to call if you have a question is 01 375 Five six four, and um, we have Sister Carino and Father Toby answering questions. So um, do take up this opportunity. The number again is zero one two two three three seven five five six four. Father Tanzi singing Let Go and you're listening to Radio Maria this is our questions of faith 
and we're taking callers. If anyone has a question to ask, the number is 012233755564. And um, Sister Karina was just saying that she's so glad that none of the broken-hearted children from last week who found out that their pets weren't going to heaven haven't been sending angry emails um, yeah. via their parents. Um, so we have some questions here about confession, which we're going to tackle in a moment. A good time to make a good confession um, during Lent. And um, Father Toby, you're going to be speaking about that, aren't you? I am, yes. Yeah, I'm just we're just going to speak a little bit about, you know, what com what confession is. And then I'm just going to lead people through a, a fairly sort of extensive um, examination of, of conscience just to sort of help uh, prick our consciences um, and sort of help us prepare well for confession. I think that's next next Monday. All right. And then we'll have some live confessions. <laughs> we'll start with you. <laughs> that, that should take us through to the end of the program. <laughs> right. So... Let's begin with this. Question. I feel like I've got my hand back for the holiday jibe now at the start of the oh, program. That's fair enough, yeah. yeah. One all, uh, and then Father Toby. Yes, um, yeah, you have got yours back. Um, so here is a question from one of our listeners that's been sent in, and it goes as follows. I've noticed that during confession, some priests try to provide some explanation, some words of encouragement and some pieces of advice on how to go about avoiding the sin before giving us the absolution, while some others just plainly ask if we are done with confession, confessing our sins and give us absolution. This happens even when they have plenty of time ahead. Why is there such a difference? Now I think it's only right that you should answer this, Father Toby. I would say this is a difference in part because there are very different types of of priests, and sort of priests bring something of their their personality. Um, hopefully, not so much into the into the mass, but it definitely happens in more more in, in confession. And I think in 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 confession, remember the the priest is sort of it's spoken about as being sort of judge and and doc and doctor um and the most important part in confession is that you receive abs absolution um and i think this goes a, a little bit into the second question that the um person may have may have asked about sort of when you don't uh sort of receive any any spiritual counsel sort of you know have you been have you been shortchanged um there is no sort of requirement for a confession to be valid that the priest offers um ad advice or words of words of encouragement that for the confession to be valid the confessor has to confess there has to be you know some some real sign of sorrow from the from the confessor which is why the why the priest asks you to make an act of contrition um, that's what you're. That's what you're doing there. You're showing the priest that you're that you're sorry, and the act of contrition. You know, lots of people use formulas, um, and that and that's great. And some of them are very beautiful and helpful. But it's not like there are the perfect words that you have to say. Um, and then the priest gives you gives you abs absolution. 
um, and it's the the words of absolution along with the the penitents sort of sorrow and confessing their their sins that that constitute the the sacrament but it seems to me that you know when somebody is 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 struggling with with something um then it's helpful to to provide a little bit of advice perhaps what some of the priests who almost like make a point of not uh giving any advice or any any counselor are trying to do is is emphasize that it's forgiveness that is the, is at the heart of the the sacrament and that the sacrament isn't a form of of spiritual direction um and it's not actually a place you some people you have to sort of try and gently remind in, in confession that this is not spiritual direction nor is it a place for you to come and confess all your sinful tendencies um it's a place for you to come and come and to actually confess the sins that you've done not the sins that you felt inclined towards not all your all your character flaws that you have but rather the ways in in which you have which you have actually sinned do you think it's worth me just reading the second part of the question um because she yeah, yeah. expresses yeah that, yeah so she goes on to say um when i do confession with a priest who proceeds in the second way, that's um, the way that doesn't give advice um, on how to avoid the sin. Although I am relieved that my sins are forgiven, I am always a little bit disappointed and frustrated and even wonder why I came to confession at all. This is because I feel that I am not more equipped with more tools to fight my plague than I was before. So am likely to fall in the same sin again. Am I right to feel this way, disappointed and frustrated? Um, and Could I say something? Yeah, please do. Um, I was just thinking, when, when the questioner said, um, I'm not sure I have everything I need, that I'm not equipped with everything I need to, to, to continue the, the struggle of, of the moral life, um, I think it's worth rem remembering that what happens in reconciliation when as as father toby very beautifully explained you know when we have our sins forgiven in the sacrament of reconciliation um all of our baptismal grace is restored so we 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 experience that complete restoration of all the gifts that we've received in baptism and those gifts are you know the gifts of the holy spirit things like wisdom counsel piety um, the theological virtues, faith, hope, and charity, the cardinal virtues. Um, one of my sisters, her academic tutor, describes baptism as the greatest package deal in history. You know, we receive so much in baptism from God, all of this incredibly practical help in terms of these virtues and gifts um, to live our moral life, to live our life in Christ. And that is what is restored to us in, in the Sacrament of Reconciliation. And maybe it would help the questioner to kind of to meditate on that a bit, that all of this help that God gave me in baptism has been fully restored. That life of grace has been restored in me through reconciliation. And if I want a bit of help um, in putting it into practice, maybe to expand Father Toby's what Father Toby said about the, the priest being both judge and healer when he stands in in the person of Christ in, in reconciliation, you know, our doctor is our healer, but if we want physiotherapy, we don't go to the doctor. Um, 
in this analogy, you you go to your spiritual director for that kind of that extra work, you know, for for some exercises to do, and you know things not to do, while while your foot or your arm or whatever is is healing. Um, so if 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 your caller wants some help in sort of picking out and teasing out, oh, okay, so how do I apply those gifts? and virtues of baptism that have been restored to me now through the sacrament of reconciliation. How do I put those into practice and become more aware of them and more docile to them in my life? That's really for, for the spiritual director um, mm. to do outside of confession. And just to answer that, you don't need to, like, it's not that everybody needs to have a, a spiritual director. And at this point, I'd sort of recommend to people, there are, there are great books there are so many great books out there that um that help with uh growth in the in the spiritual life um an excellent new book by by somebody who i i respect a great deal brant petra he's got a sort of introduction to the the spiritual life which is is all about how to to grow um in the spiritual life and and how to uh you know how to bring all all the all the helps that exist in the, in that struggle um against against sin um so you know make make use of those and also to say on on this on this program you know you can always ask questions uh, anonymously um and uh that it's that this isn't just about sort of questions of faith in terms of questions of, of doctrine but we can answer questions on like, oh, I struggle with this, or this is this is this is difficult, and you're more than welcome to 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 send those sorts of questions in, as well for advice on certain helps. Hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a wonderful reminder, and uh, we are a praying community here at Radio Maria, so we will um, remember you when we celebrate Mass and when we say the Rosary and the Divine Mercy Chaplet. Um, so do take advantage of that. There's um, one little ending part to this question um, from our listener, and it says, is it, is it okay if I choose to confess with a priest who is not my normal parish priest because I feel that my confession is more fruitful with that priest? I'm hesitating because it is a bit, it is a bit as if I am judging that parish priest. I would say absolutely no no worries about that whatsoever um whatever helps you in the in the in the fight against sin uh go 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 with go with that and and it, and it's the case you know some people prefer F father x's preaching some people prefer father y's preaching um and they might both be very good but you know just one speaks to to you in your in your particular place in in life and it's it's absolutely fine to have preferences as long as the, the just the important thing is that you you recognize that what's at the heart of the sacrament is um is 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 the forgiveness of christ and even if the the priest were the sort of most bumbling and, and unhelpful in his advice ever he would still be worth going to if you couldn't find another priest because you would receive the forgiveness of your sins but I know lots and lots of people. In fact, one slightly funny story. I ended up uh, in. I was going to a parish to uh, go and um, nearby to go to confession, and the uh, and the parish priest there didn't turn up. 
until um, fairly late. I think he'd got called called out, and uh, I was waiting in the line for confessions. And I said to him, "Look, if you hear my confession um, just before mass, then I can hear the confessions of all the people in the line." But uh, a lot of the people in the line who I'd seen were people from my parish who clearly <laughs> gone to go out, go out, go elsewhere to go to oh, go no. to go to com- go to confession. Um, so you jumped at the opportunity to hear the confessions. Is that what you're trying <laughs> no, to say? No, I sort of, you know, yeah, that. Uh, but it's it's a very natural and uh, and and happens. And uh, don't worry about that at all. That's great. Um, any more questions you might have about confession? Please do call in. Um, and we're going to have a song, but the lines will be open, and we'll be able to take your call. The number is 012233755564. We'll also be looking at the um, piece of the Exalted, which talks about the happy fault part of the Easter liturgy when we come back after this song. This is The Deep, Deep Love of Jesus by Audrey Assad. Audrey Assad singing Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus. And um, you've been listening to Questions of Faith program in which we answer your questions. And um, 
The lines are open if you'd like to call. It's 01223-375-564. That's 01223-375-564. We thought that it might be good to clarify something about uh, pets going to heaven. Um, Also, under the anxiety that this might be why nobody has called in today. Perhaps... um, We've offended you. So, uh, Sister Carino, would you would you please begin? Hello, everybody. Um, my name is Sister Carino, and I have a confession to make. Uh, not not a sacramental confession, but um, last week I very strongly asserted that animals do not go to heaven. But as Father Toby has pointed out, this is not definitively taught by the Church. I just think that you know, on on our understanding of of what a soul is and what a rational soul is, it's deeply implausible that they would, but it is not taught definitively. So there is still hope that your pet will be with you in heaven. And I'm sorry if anyone was, I'm especially sorry if any parents had to then have difficult conversations with their children about pets and heaven after that, because I appreciate that that would have been pretty rough. Uh, so yes, it is not definitively taught that animals do not go to heaven. It's just I personally, as an individual, think it's it's kind of unlikely, given what we know about souls and that. Well, thank God for a good confession. Thank you. <laughs> um, we're going to go on to talk about the happy faults because uh, this is actually a question that I have had. And um, it it comes up in the Exalted, and um, it is quite puzzling. I've had a little bit of clarity uh, over the years of, of what I think it might mean. But um, Father Toby, before we go into it, do you have anything to say just to give an outline of, of what it is? And, and maybe do you know something of its history? How did it come into the Church's liturgy? Um, is it part of the deposit of faith? That's something that I, I'm quite interested in knowing. Uh, I think it, it comes into the. I don't think it's part of the deposit of faith, but I think it comes into the into the liturgy, sort of via uh, writing of, of Saint Saint Augustine and 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 Saint Ambrose, who. Uh, uh, obviously, Saint Ambrose received Augustine into into the into the church, um, and and Ambrose s- spends quite a lot of his of his of his writings um, examining sort of the happy fault, and, and and in a certain way seeming to imply that the necessity that there or that there would be would be sin. But I've not engaged a, a great deal with with the writings of Saint Ambrose, um, but I have given sort of some thought to to what we mean by sort of a happy fault because it's it there in our, our our greatest service of the of the year the the easter the easter vigil and and there is that line oh oh happy happy fault and it's it's e- easy to easy to sing um but harder to be absolutely clear about what we what we mean by it um and i'm looking forward to actually hearing what what sister carino has to has to say on this can I jump in before Sister Karina yeah. does? So yes, I'll, I'll try and outline the difficulty of it um, so just to, to set it up for you. So um, we say that um, 
that even though God can bring good out of sins, our sins, we can never sin in order that good may come from it. That's like a, a very important part of, of moral theology um, as, as I understand it. So when one comes across a line like, oh, happy fault in the exalted, it immediately my um, reaction is, here's something which seems to fly in the face of that. And it seems to be rejoicing in the fault itself and calling it happy. Um, now I've, I've come to, to, to see a different aspect of this, but um, does that kind of uh, put, uh, you know, does that, is that on the nose of, of the difficulty? Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah. And, and actually the, 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 the lines are, are around it add even more, sort of confusion in a certain sense because the the line that, that precedes it in the in the east in the exalta is oh truly necessary sin of adam destroyed completely by the death of christ oh happy fault that earns so great so glorious a redeemer mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's all coming back to me <laughs> so sister carino well I'm going to tread carefully here. Oh, and also, um, firstly, for Father Toby, because he wasn't here last week, he was on his epically long holiday, which he insists on referring to as a parish mission. Um, but uh, last week we talked a bit about the the two approaches to the problem of evil that we kind of get in the tradition as, you know, why, why does God permit evil while never actively willing it? And one of the ones we talked about was um, the more kind of Augustinian view that um, because of God's great omnipotence and his benevolence, he, he is able to draw good out of any evil. Any evil that, that, that might occur is, is intr intrinsically and just by definition less than the goodness and the power of God. So he's able to draw goodness out of it um, in a very particular way that means that actually we, we might be sort of edified and drawn closer to him. In such a in such a way that we might not have been if it had never happened. So we talked about that, and then I brought up the exultet, you know, that the happy the happy fault. Um, when we talk about Adam's sin being necessary to win for us a redeemer, and is therefore a happy fault, I think it's worth bearing in mind. And Father Toby can jump in at any point if if I phrase this wrongly. Um, that when we are saved by God. It's it's not like in in a video game where like you die and then you return to the last place where you saved. Like you, you, you kind of go back to the last place where you were okay. It's like we were in Eden and then we sinned, but that was bad. Um but we'd now we're saved and we've gone back to the to the to the last place when it was good for us as human beings. Actually, our salvation in Christ raises us to, to something greater. We're, we're given something greater than we ever could have achieved uh, purely in our in our natural state and that uh, we can't go into hypotheticals and like counterfactuals and alternative history because that's not good theology um but there are certainly many theologians who would say that it's not the case that god would have just come and hung out with us um as as the incarnate lord if we had not had that need to be saved through the healing remedy of the incarnation um 
St. Thomas would say that kind of um, goes against like the, the freedom of God. Like, oh, he, he had to become incarnate and hang out with us um, because of his, because that's just what he's bound to do by his nature. No, he freely chose to, to save us in this particular way. And it was a particular way that was a response to our need for salvation that came through the fault of Adam. And so you have this very brazen and poetical, I think, statement in the, the Exultat that, well, we have a redeemer who chooses to save us in this particular way and to raise us to something even greater um, than, than what is, is due to us or offered to us by our nature as, as human beings created in God's image. Um, and therefore we can brazenly say, well, look, if, if the fall is what it takes to, to be, to be given this incredible gratuitous gift of salvation that comes to us in this particular way, well, let's go all out and call it a happy fault, a necessary sin. And it, it is, it is poetic. It's, but it's very, it catches your attention it really makes you stop and think as it has made made us all stop and think um and it is part of the liturgy so it has been handed on through you know through the tradition of the church in the liturgy to make every generation of believers stop and think and to give that thanks and to to abide in that wonder for what christ has won for us which we're not due which he wasn't obliged to give us um but has has opened up to us the gates of heaven, given us something beyond what we could ever have hoped or wanted. And I think that's that's what the Exalter is, is kind of aiming at with, mm -hmm. with this very intriguing phrase. Father Toby, do you want to correct or clarify any of that? So I, no, I, I just say, from my perspective, we can think of it, the happy fault in two ways. First, happy from God's perspective, because it allows God to manifest his, his love in an even more profound way because to love to love someone who is has who has always loved you well that's a, a, a beautiful and a good thing but to love and and to and to forgive somebody who's who's betrayed you um the sort of like next level love in a certain way so it's a, it's a greater manifestation of the love of god for us that even after we turn away from him he doesn't he doesn't turn from from us and then it's a happy fault from from our perspective, in in two ways because we become uh, we become sort of conscious of the of the of the love of God in in this more profound way because we experience not God's justice now but his but his his merciful love, but also because of this sort of possibility of divine intimacy that that gets created where by God. God becomes like us in order that we might become like him. And, and, it, and if you look in the way that sort of most, most people's sort of prayer lives probably work, there's a lot more time spent sort of in prayer or in contemplation of, of Jesus Christ than maybe sort of God, the God, the father, um, because of this intimacy that we share with Jesus because he he shared our our nature so I'd say there's there's two two dimensions to that to that happy happy thought from God's perspective with the greater manifestation of his love and from our perspective of of the realization of the of the boundless love of God 
The way that I started thinking slightly differently about this, um, or if I could say rather that I came from thinking, I, I can't figure out how this makes um, theological coherence to going, ah, actually, I think I, I see something in this, was when somebody used it to explain how you have also similar th threads running through the Old Testament, like the Israelites asking for a king, and God saying that he will not, that, that they shouldn't, and that this is a bad thing, and that the, and it grieves God that um, the Israelites are asking for a king. And yet, um, them asking for a king then gets taken into the the plan of salvation, and um, and Christ himself comes as the king, you know, on the throne of David. Um, and so... God, in his love, will use even our faults to bring out something good. So this it kind of gets woven into the, the story, and that's where this, there is this idea of the, the happy fault being um, part of, of the redemptive plan. Is that, is that right? Yeah, well, that, that, fit, that fits into a passage with, whereby the, 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 the greatness, the glory of God is... is manifested in the fact that he's not diminished by by our sin and so that even in our sin he can work something greater through it which is also if you think about it sort of necessary to our understanding of god as well because mm. if god was sort of diminished by our sin then god wouldn't be all all powerful yeah um if every act of human sin sort of diminished god well god would be very much diminished by now I wonder if a, what you'd think of, of a more sort of um, personal down-to-earth example, um, when we have an experience in a friendship that's never really been tested, um, everything is sort of happy and um, you've never really had to encounter any kind of conflict and then um, one party does something, they let you down or you let them down. Um, and... The, I've experienced it where you have this feeling, here's an opportunity for me to show that person that um, this doesn't affect the friendship. Um, I'm, I can, you know, my, the, the love that I have for that person covers that. Um, and so you're actually glad for the opportunity to, to show that, um, that love. Do you think that kind of works for this? I'm not completely convinced that by, by that because I I think that when we look at the the fault of Adam, it's a it's a, it's a it's a lack of it's lack of trust, um, and that could could I could I be happy about the fact that the person didn't trust me, com com completely, um. So I, I get the sense of which you're getting at the sort of the chance to sort of manifest the the love. I I think the the one other thing which which I would add that in which, whereby in which sin can be good for us is insofar as it encourages humility in us. So we we fall and we realize our uh, our lack of self sufficiency. We realize that we can't live as we as we desire to live without the help of god without without grace and so 
sin in humbling us and making us sort of turn ever more um, upon upon God. It can be good for us in that way. Well, that brings us uh, more or less to the end of this program. Um, and uh, just a reminder that every Friday at um, 11 o'clock, we have Questions of Faith. And it's always wonderful to have guests like Sister Carino with us. Um, been a real pleasure to have you and lovely to have you back, Father Toby. Um, and um, so would you end with a prayer for us, please? Do we have Sister Carino? I started. Yes, let's do Sister that. Sister Carino, finish. I'll finish. Yeah. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time of gathering together. We thank you for the questions that we have received. We ask you to pour out your Holy Spirit upon all of those who seek understanding for their faith, that they may be led into a deeper relationship with your son, Jesus. And we ask all of this in the name of the same Jesus Christ, your son, our Lord. Amen. 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 Our Lady, Seat of Wisdom. Pray for us. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.